Done. And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, fashion us, fuck him. <laughs> Thank you, Joe Pesci. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone, welcome to the 265 Police Live Series, New York's finest return on Filter Podcast. I'm Eric Thin, most complaint cop, NYPD. And along with me is John McCarry, the co-host and the founder of the New York's finest, New York's finest return on Filter Podcast, piece of shit and unemployed lieutenant. What's up, my brother? How you doing? Yeah, very well, my friend. Very well. A lot to talk about. You know, a lot of stuff going on in the news. Um you know, I'll, I'll let you, whatever you want to go. I really didn't prepare anything, so whatever you want to go, you know. Well, we're going to bring you a new segment for the week. Let's talk about what's current in the news, because there's so much going on with the NYPD. Like, I've said this before, but the NYPD is on fire right now. If you don't open up the paper, you just look at social media, it's NYPD, NYPD. So I think the first thing we need to talk about, this is very important, to support our cops right now, right? Here we are, Pinnacle Point. They should be so proud and excited. They're contract has been solidified and they're about to receive their retro checks in a short amount of time. July 21st, I'm hearing the actual checks will be distributed. So with that being said, cops should be super excited right now. We should start to see less retention problems, but we know that's not, that's not going to happen. Why? These cops are being overworked and they're burning the candle at both ends, particularly in transit. Let's talk about transit, John. Yeah, I've been receiving messages left and right from transit guys that they're completely burnt out, they're completely overworked. Put a post out yesterday about it. I said, I guess the plan is to just work these guys seven days a week, 13 hours a day throughout the whole summer. <laughs> um, you know, and then I got tons of messages on top of that. Well, hey, what about us on patrol? We're being used. What about, you know, administrative guys? We're on all out. What about detective squads? They're on all out. Special victims, all, all these different units are on all out. And I think the, you know, I, I, I hear it and I hear a lot of chatter always from, oh, overtime's great. I mean, no one wants to work seven days a week. And anybody that says that to me is just, I really question how much overtime they've really done in their career. You know? I can't agree with you more. Listen, yes. Overtime is great. It's nice to have, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, someone's birthday is coming up, maybe your wife, maybe your husband, your significant other, someone in your family is an important event. You had a graduation party or sometimes something you maybe had to buy a car. So you need an extra money to supplement your income, some, some way subsidize it. But you shouldn't have to live off overtime, right? You should live within your means. Overtime should be a bonus, should be gravy. But when you're working seven days a week and 12, 13 hours a day with commuting an hour to two hours, the average commute is probably about an hour going to work. So an hour to two hours at both ends. Most of these guys are probably living at the commands right now. It's probably deteriorating their home life, their relationship with their significant others, or whatever the situation is. And a lot of cops, most of us, I know myself inc included, had pets. Now you're away from your home 13 to 15 hours. You have to figure out how to take care of your pet. You have to figure out how to take care of your kids. Your, your kids, it's just completely exhausting. It's, it's emotional stress. So the overtime comes with a big price and a big ticket. Not only that, now you're getting this retro. Right. And now, in addition to that retro, you're, you're working all this overtime and now you're in a higher tax bracket. How much money are you actually going home with? Not enough to make it worth it. I'll tell you that. Not to not enough to take years off your life. That That's definitely not. It's not worth it. You know, it's 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 actually a joke. You know, it's actually a joke to hear someone. Ah, they're working seven days a week. It's great for the pension. It's great. It would be great for me and you because we're in tier two. Tier three guys, it really doesn't make a difference for these guys. You know, it's it's just a it's just a short term supplement of money. I mean, 
that overtime does not go towards their pension. And they're not looking at it like that, and they shouldn't. I mean, you know, they're looking at longevity. They're looking, they want to last. They want to have a nice, long, healthy, productive career. And it's completely impossible to maintain mental and physical health if you're working 13 hours a day. And really, I, it's really 15 hours a day, like you said, because it's commute both ways at least an hour. I commuted at least an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes each way. But two times, two times back and forth, plus however, however, you know, many hours I did there. So, I mean, these are long, long days. It's mentally exhausting. It's mentally draining. You're coming in off of a, of a New York winter. Summer's here. Everybody's doing everything. And all you're doing is is working. And, and God forbid you go take a break in a transit room. You have all these MTA workers now sharing photos of you on break, sitting there, either on your phone or closing your eyes for two seconds, not even sleeping, just thinking, just trying to relax for 10 to 15 minutes. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Well, that's why it's important to, to reflect on, on commissioner Sewell stepping down because we have to discuss the lineage of the department. It's so important that we have a vision and an actual leadership from one particular leader, we can't have Adams and Banks being the co-captains as the police commissioner and Sewell having some input. We need an actual police commissioner that is going to be allowed to do his or her job so that we have clear leadership, clear direction. And how do we know we don't? Because Commissioner Sewell, she foreshadowed this problem. She said back at the budget hearing with city council that the plan that they have in transit right now, which is flooding with presence, is not sustainable. You and I both heard her say that. And yet, I think that was at least three months ago. So during that three three months, or approximately three months, we have not garnered yet a new plan. We're going with the same plan, which is just completely burned candle on both ends. Our cops are being mentally deteriorated. It's not healthy for their physical conditions. Clearly, they don't have enough time to exercise. They don't have enough time to spend with their families. And if they're buying homes because they have extra money in their pocket, they probably don't even know what it looks like. I heard uh, Chief Kemper actually reiterated that same statement that this is there. This is this transit plan as of right now is completely indefinite. They don't know when they're going to end it. Obviously, stabbings are up in transit. There's there's a lot of major crimes going up in transit. Uh, a lot of people carrying knives. As much as they're enforcing broken windows, intrusive police work. I know your chiefs don't like to hear that word. I know it upsets you every time Eric says intrusive police work, but that's exactly what you're doing. You're <laughs> taking your progressive policy and you're making these cops do intrusive police work to get these knives, which is what they should be doing. But you have to do it when you're mentally and physically able and capable to do that. Working seven days a week throughout the whole summer and you were doing it throughout the whole winter it's, it's not a plan. I hear guys are leaving left and right. And the statement is 10 is the new 20. Once these guys are eligible for the health benefits, they're out. And you're losing guys before that. Resignation, whatever it is, resignation, vesting, uh, people are leaving. It's completely unsustainable, not only just in transit. The whole department is imploding on itself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, here we are. Commissioner stepped down. There's no clear leadership. We know that the department is having a huge problem right now. This could go on for a period of time where, again, this department is constantly getting shoveled like a deck of cards. And right now, you may get a, an ace, king, queen, or jack, but you're probably going to get a joker. Why? Because, again, the real commissioner is Banks and his co-captain, Mayor Eric Adams. And it, it's just it's just not working out. 
If there needs to be clear leadership. One person has to be clearly directed into that position. That has to be their billet. You and I both know it. We were lieutenants. We had an intermediate position, right? That's the sergeant who's between the cops and ourselves. And we, to be effective lieutenants, you have to em embolden, right? And you have to empower your sergeants. So to let them, you have to influence them to be leaders so that you have an effective squad under you or special operations, a, a team. There has to be, it, it would not make sense, right? If I'm a lieutenant and I give direction to my teams, something that deviates from the direction of the sergeant, the cops are going to be completely confused. Now, obviously, this is on a smaller level, but that's the level of, that's what you learn in the Marine Corps, at least what I learned, is a small unit leadership breakdown, right? The sergeants lead the cops, the lieutenants lead the sergeants and the cops, the captains lead the lieutenants. Right now, that's the way it needs to break down from commission down, but it needs to be like a pyramid, like a tree. But our tree is all screwed up right now. It doesn't look like the right family tree. We've got Mayor Adams and Banks giving direction. Commissioner Sewell probably had some input. Then we have Juanita Holmes who has some input. So it's just a mixed bag. There's no direction. And it's affecting the cops' mental health, their lives, their careers, and ultimately, number one, public safety. Listen, that's not going to get fixed on Eric Adams. It's going to continue to be the leadership. You don't say. It's not going to get fixed. I mean – I he still hasn't named uh, uh, who the replacement police commissioner is. I mean, that's a fucking disaster and it's pathetic. I mean, you know, and, and, and any administration, you should know who's next up, especially in your most pivotal roles, right? Oh, key chance Sewell goes down. Who's, who's leading her? Who's taking her spot? You don't know. They have no idea. It's been almost two weeks. We don't even know. He hasn't named one person. He's scrambling. He's begging her to stay. He's scrambling on who he's going to get. He's only looking concerned about the politics. Whoever it is, is going to be a complete puppet. So none of the leadership problems in the NYPD are going to get fixed. I don't care who it is. Name Joe Fox. Bring back Robert Boyce. Bring back Bill Bratton. Bring back the Coward Shea. Bring back whoever you'd like to bring back. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Bring them back. I'm hearing Tish now, Jessica Tish, because she has so oh. much police knowledge, so much police knowledge, so much experience in public <laughs> safety. We need a billionaire heiress to help run the New York City Police Department and to understand the psyche of the everyday men and women in New York City. A billionaire heiress who can't even shop in a store. She doesn't even shop for herself. We're going to put her in charge of the police department. I hope that's a bad rumor that I'm hearing, but it's a, it's a likely thing, and 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 the leadership will continue. I think the main problem right now is the health and welfare of the cops, their mental well-being. Um, the, the leadership is just out there. There's no clear message to the department. That is not getting cleared up on the Eric Adams or any progressive for that matter. They need to just focus on let's make this sustainable. Let's keep cops working for us. Let's keep morale up. John, are you going to church this Sunday? I am. I am. I Can am. you see – can you see if, if you if God has a plan for Mayor Eric Adams? Maybe he has a, a, a sustainable plan because he said God talks to him and tells him, you know, good things to do. So maybe this Sunday, God can talk to you too and give an idea of what he can do to keep up his plan because it's not working out. It, this is not going too well. Listen, I, I, I you know, I'm not going to, like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to knock the guy. He said, hey, God told me I'm going to be the mayor. He's the mayor. 
God puts people in places to watch them fall sometimes. So, you know what I mean? He he really loves the underdog. Eric Adam was not the underdog in this race. Eric Adams hasn't been underdog in years and years and years. Ever since he stepped foot in the political arena, he has not been the underdog. And, you know, I you know, he wants to he wants to throw God into things now when he's making decisions of a tyrant. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, it, you know, I, I think that it, it's just He's at the point, honestly, I just think that the walls are starting to cave in, and I think he's starting to feel the pressure. And th- there's only s- so much you can do till everything, you know, of, of plans that are not working and everything's holding on by a thread that eventually is just going to unravel. And we're at a point right now it's unraveling. And I'm actually surprised. I have to admit, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm proud and I'm happy that 50, uh, 50 cops will get promoted to sergeant this coming week. So I'm proud, I'm excited, I'm, I'm delighted for them. But I'm actually pretty – I'm surprised that the department, in the manner that it's shrinking right now with this mass access that we have, they're not recruiting anyone. These classes are tiny. We're not – the math is not, is, is not adding up. But yet, we're, how will we manage to – how are we managing to promote 50 cops to sergeant? How are we doing that in this time? What do you think is going on? And you and I spoke about this offline, but ultimately, what's your message to, to the cops right now? Uh, what do they think is happening? I mean, if they don't know, there's, this is going to be a com- totally, completely different department in two years. In two years, after this July, then again in January, the next July, and the following July, you're going to see the amount of people leave, and the and close to it's going to be close to ten thousand people gone, gone, and they're be, they're going to be replaced with maybe two thousand, and out of that two thousand, maybe a thousand of them will stay, maybe, maybe. So if that, it's if that. a completely different department, you're going to see sergeants in sector cars. You're going to see detectives from the squad taking sector at them. You're going to see a f- breakdown of all of these units coming. If you don't see it and you think I'm crazy, call me up. I'll put my money where my mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. And I'll, I'll gladly be collecting on that money. Yeah, I think I think public safety is going to take a back seat to all the particulars that are going on right now. I've said this, John, either you heard me say this as far back as right before I retired, that I'm confident with the way that we're moving right now on this trajectory, the path that we're going, that the squads, the detective squads, their investigative cases will definitely be taking a seat back. You're going to see two detectives, first grade, second grade detectives together. They'll be riding Sector Adam in the confines of any precinct in New York City right now. And I think, listen, this is really an odd time. You know, I hear numbers don't speak everything to me. It's just statistics. And we can manipulate statistics in any manner we want. That's one thing I learned in college. You can manipulate statistics. You can say the 70s, the 80s were far worse numbers-wise murders. That may be true, numbers-wise. But if you look at it, and I've looked at it, I've looked at the precincts amongst the city that really were affected by this. And it was... Usually it was the same typical precincts in the same boroughs. But right now, I think this is a, a different time. Everyone is affected by it. I think every precinct right now is feeling it. All the residents of New York City are feeling the deterioration of public safety. And it's completely affected by the progressive legislation, the NYPD politics, the media. It's just being eaten apart. And we have zero leadership right now. Zero. Who's going to be the leader? Who's going to take charge? Can this be fixed? Not under this mayor. Absolutely not. 
I, I really, you know, not onto this man. It's not, it's not happening. He hasn't exhibited leadership in anything. When it comes to the migrants, when it comes to public safety, when it comes to the homeless, when it comes to the drug addicted, when it comes to the, these, these uh, illegal, uh, legal, illegal marijuana shops, right? Like the whole thing is a disaster. He applauds it all the way. And when it falls apart, he points fingers. I mean, this guy's a complete disaster. He, he knows it. He's he's scrambling. He's saying that there's a plot to make him a one term mayor. I mean, yes, normally in every election cycle, people don't just stop and say, oh, you're so great, Eric. We're going to keep you for a second term. No, you have to campaign. You have to prove what you did. Again, Bill de Blasio had a better eight years than this guy had a better two years. You know, this guy, he's way worse than Bill de Blasio, in my opinion. Bill de Blasio had universal pre-K. It's the only thing he did in eight years besides sift money out of New York City into not-for-profits, uh, feed feed the, uh, feed all the hotel owners' money. Eric Adams doing the same exact thing, but he don't even have a universal pre-K. What has he accomplished? Zero. He hasn't accomplished anything. I tell you right now, his, his vision and his system is breaking down the NYPD. And when you break down the NYPD, you break down public safety. You know, I've, I've read, uh, I've read, uh, Steve Jobs book and, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, if, if you read about him and you, and you see his movie and stuff like that and share about, he wasn't the most congenial type of leader. And, you know, may he rest in peace. But what he said, which I think is really important. Yes, it's good. It's important to have good people. But what's more important is that you have a good system. And Mayor Adams has broken the system. There's no complete lineage, correct system of the New York City Police Department right now that we can actually put someone in replacement of Sewell and the job is going to continue to move. There has to be a pyramid, right? Cops, cops are at the bottom, and the pyramid goes up in a small unit leadership breakdown, and then there's a direct leader. But right now, they're being pulled in different directions. Some information from Adams, some from Banks, some from Commissioner Sewell, some from Juanita Holmes, some from Ed Caban, some from Chishnell, and that's right now, there's zero system. So we could put anyone right now in this system will not work because the system is broken. And that completely affects public safety. It's affecting the cops right now. This ideology, they if they think that it's sustainable for the cops to work 12 and 13 hours, I don't care if that paycheck triples in two weeks. You will see cops leave out of exhaustion and just complete mental stress. And not only that, you will have more cops going sick because they're going to be completely physically and mentally and emotionally deteriorated. Yeah, they're going to get sick. They're going to get injured. Um, and unfortunately, you're going to see another spike in suicide again when the winter comes, when the dark months come. You know, you know, uh, everything goes down. You your vitamin D levels, your vitamin C levels, your melatonin levels. Uh, depression kicks in. You're going to see more suicides, unfortunately. No one's talking about it. No one cares. You're going to see all the rates of everything. Heart disease. I mean, heart disease in the NYPD is up tremendously. Nothing to do with anything that happened uh, two years ago when we forced people to do something. But, you know, but we'll just we'll just leave that there. You know, uh, heart attacks, strokes, all that stuff. Hey, those people are dirty. Yeah. They, you know, we'll just we'll just pretend like that didn't happen to anybody. Um, and, you know, again, these guys are being completely overworked in every facet, not just the MTA. And I don't know. I don't see any roll call roundup. I don't see anybody standing there for anybody. I don't know what, what, you know, I see, uh, I, you know, I, uh, 
I heard uh, Puglisi and Lynch gave that last speech, you know, gave went over their great careers, you know, how how uh, how much police work they actually did. Um, Hold on. Let me see if I have a piece of paper that shows their police work. I think I think it's blank. <laughs> you know, you know, what's crazy uh, like about this whole thing. You know, they're fighting. To, they're fighting to uh, you say that, you know, we, we push this modern chart. You know what? It's supposed to be a pilot program, but I think this is like modern chart 5.0 because these guys are working 12, 13 hours every day. What a modern chart, you get a couple of days off, but these guys are working a modern chart 5.0, 12, 13 hours, seven days a week. I don't care. I, I'm sorry. Money, money's important, but it's not everything. I don't want to be at the police department all those hours. I don't even think they have time to change to do their laundry. No, and I heard TD11 hates it. I heard they absolutely hate the modern chart. The guys that aren't in the that aren't in the modern chart are like, how does this even work? Because we work every day. I, I'm hearing that guys are doing a triple this weekend. They have to do a triple. Most most transit guys have to do triples. That means you're working three tours. So for you MTA clowns that are out there that pretended like you had a mandate and faked if charities and took money for the mandate that you never had, and you were hanging out with Kyrie Irving. And you were doing all those big things and you were going on the news, exposing yourself. And now you're sitting in a break room mad because there's an MTA cop also in a break room on a break because he has a much harder job than you, a much more stressful job than you, a, a, a much worse job than you. And you're mad about that, taking a picture. I mean, it is what it is. But listen, let's get a word from our sponsors. Anybody need any uh, financial help, any uh, uh, investment advice? Definitely contact Lee Law Blue. Let them know we sent you. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on triple eight nine zero one blue. That's triple eight nine zero one blue. Right, we're back. You know, since we're talking about it, I'm curious. I don't think we've talked much about um, what's your perspective for the modern chart. I think that if you could, you actually do get less appearances. I think it would be good. I think you're still going to get the overtime. I don't, th you know, everyone's like worried about their overtime. I mean, obviously, you're working every day anyway. I, you're in diminished department. You're going to get, you're probably going to get more overtime than you want. 
you know, you're probably going to continue to get more overtime. But I do think that the less appearances, the better. I mean, like I said, I always kind of did 12 hour tours anyway, whatever. When I was especially I was a sergeant the longest time in my career and I did 857s, you know, and I was really there at least at least two hours early every day. And I stayed late almost every night. You know, so I mean, I would rather I would rather uh, work more on my appearances and and have that. I think it could be a good thing. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a great thing actually. Uh, but I do think it should be kind of not for the entire department. I think it should be a case by case basis based on the unit. And, and the reason why I say that it could be unit and also location. If you're policing, I, I say this all the time, right? It's not a one size fits all. So. In Nassau County, it's 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 probably amazing. It's a much more different environment because if you're a patrol cop and you're working seven to seven, whether it's seven at night, seven in the morning, or seven in the morning, seven at night, and I'm your relief, well, I'm meeting you on a post, and you're I'm going to jump in your car, in the mark car, and you're going to jump in your personal car and go home. So it, it it's it's a different. It's a complete different vibe. The New York City Police Department, you have to report. First of all, you have to fight for parking, and you have all these advocates fighting against you for parking. There's nowhere to park. You fight for parking. You go into work. What's that? It's the only problem in New York City, cop parking. That's the only part, right? You got right? So you have to fight for a parking spot, go to a locker room to get dressed, to go to stand roll call. It's a complete different environment. Now, you know, and if you're traveling to Manhattan, and most of the cops we know, live in the outside counties, you're traveling from upstate New York, or you're traveling from Long Island to get to Manhattan, you're already battling traffic. On patrol, it could be a long, a long time. But, you know, if you're in a squad or something like that, I think it's fantastic. You're working 12, 13 hours, running your cases, and you have a couple of days off to really fresh your mind. So I, I think it's, a, it's an excellent thing, but I don't think it's for every unit. And I don't think it's for everyone. I do think that it's a case by case. I do think some should be 12 hours. I think some should be 10. And I do think some should be eight. To ride a radio car in New York City for 12 hours every day and commute an hour and a half, two hours each way is exhausting. I, I Again, I said, I, same as you, I worked 12 to 14 hours, especially the last couple of years of my career. But I don't know how I would sustain that doing sector Adam in the one to one running around like a maniac that's a complete different animal what do you think no that's a great point that's a great point i mean doing anti-crime you could get some downtime doing other units you could get downtime doing patrol being a patrol supervisor desk officer you're definitely going to need more breaks a thousand percent i mean that is hands down the most stressful jobs in the nypd i don't care what anybody tells me patrol is where it's at everybody that shits on patrol I mean, I didn't do patrol long and I didn't do it because I didn't want to do it because it was so it was so taxing and so demanding and you're treated like a child. So I didn't want to do precinct patrol. So I always was like, all right, I'll make arrests. I'll go to anti-crime. I'll be an active sergeant. I'll be in units. Um, so I, and, and I, I always give respect to the patrol guys, even though, you know, you, you do tend to get they tend not to be rewarded. They tend to throw everybody to patrol like it's a bad thing. Um, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, you know, a 12-hour day in a radio car and, and whatever capacity you're in is a long, long taxing day. Oh, absolutely. I, I just, yeah. I said, especially these transit guys also, you know, just standing in, you know, in inclement weather, 
it's freezing out. You're standing at a post, all bundled up for 12 hours, or now you're in this glaring heat down in the subway for 12, 13 hours. It's a lot. And especially now, I, my heart goes out to these guys. Working seven days a week down in the hole for 12, 13 hours, exhausting. And and, and all the, pre the political pressure that you're getting. And, and right now, the stabbings are just out of control. And speaking of stabbings, you and I were talking about this the other day. You know, some of our cops want to contact us. I'm curious. So I do remember in 2019 when they repealed they repealed the ban on gravity knives, right? So I, obviously, gra knives don't go out and kill people on their own. It's the combination, right? We're, here we are. We're, we're chipping away at, at at the police department, at, at legislation, right? We raise the age, bail reform, and then we ban, uh, we put a repeal on the ban of knives. So now there's no bail, and you can carry a gravity knife. And I, I do think this leads to more stabbings because we have perpetrators that have knives in their hands and they're not being stopped it was a great tool when we take knives uh, off off of uh perpetrators now you and i were talking about this is it legal did, did you find out is it legal to carry a knife though in transit i have no idea i didn't look up the transit rules now i don't know if it's legal i'm interested if any, yeah i mean i know that gravity knives were illegal but they dropped it as far as like they're not charging the gravity knife, like a felony, if you have a prior conviction, anything like that, like that, that is no longer the case. Um, you know, I, I was, I, you know, I, I think that you're, you're right. I think the, the, the problem was, is that a lot of people got collared for knives that should have never got arrested for knives. Absolutely. It was a number game. And then they got charged with higher charges that they should have never got charged with because they didn't even have convictions. And I think again, it's just it's just another like that. That's just another problem that we had where they we actually gave progressives a great case as to why they need to to start decriminalize things. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the uh, the 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 ability to stop a violent perpetrator because they had a, a knife sticking out of their pocket and make that apprehension to get them off the street for the night. And remove that that knife that could be a, a, a deadly weapon, or the potential for for a, a deadly incident. I think was a fantastic tool. But again, we would see construction workers or people coming home from work, you know, just had a knife on them in transit, and that's and cops were making these arrests, and that's where we, we really we step on our own dicks and we hurt ourselves doing that because that's the beauty and the powerful tool of discretion is having the ability to identify each encounter on what's the that's why i always say if you're writing someone's summons or if you're making an arrest what is the impact on the community if you make this arrest are you making it safer for them or are you making this arrest because it's fits your quota that's why we we take issue to that case with officer matthew bianchi when it comes to the courtesy cards yeah i mean i'm I, when i was a young sergeant i was a conditioned sergeant and I just had a new kid on the team, great guy, great cop, went on to have a, a great career, better career than I had. And, um, but, you know, he was nervous about his arrest numbers. He, you know, he wanted to get his two numbers, his two arrests, whatever, 10 C summonses, whatever the hell it was. And um, he called me to the scene. I got, a, I got a collar over here. I went over there and it was a construction worker, had a hard hat. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, he came off a of transit, he came down off the steps. 
And uh, I think it was on McDonald Avenue. Came down off the steps and he had a, he had a gravity knife clipped to his belt. And it was a legit gravity knife. And I was like, what's going on, bro? Where you coming from? He said, come from where? I was like, take him out of handcuffs. I was like, he's not on the. And the cops like, boss. But I was like, we'll talk about it after. You know, I was like, take him out of handcuffs. Uh, Two fifty them, let him go, right? And then I, you know, I spoke to him right after. You know, we we talked in private, me and him. And I was just like, hey, listen, I know that you need your numbers, but this guy just went to work to feed his family. Like, he's not carrying that knife to stab anybody. He's not. You didn't save anybody. You didn't protect anybody that day. Like, no. all you're doing is getting a number. It's it's this guy doesn't need to get arrested. You know, you're just hurting the guy for no reason. That's why I'm saying we we. That's why I I. I I don't believe in quotas. I believe in good leadership. And that's what you did. That was a good leadership tool. That was a good leadership strategy and a good leadership de leadership de decision. I say it all the time. And even the books I read, there's no bad troops. There's only bad leaders. We don't need quotas. We need good leaders to say, hey, not, hey, good job. You got a number kid. Say, wait a minute. Who is this guy? This is a working man. This is a family man. Obviously, he has to carry at some point in transit. And it, his in transit may be transit. But for you, just to get a number to fit your quota is laziness. You're not helping anybody. If it's someone that has a history of, 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 of committing robberies and burglaries or some perpetuating it for violence or they're emotionally disturbed and they're not, uh, they're not capable to make sound decisions with that knife that is potentially a weapon. It could be a tool, right, and it could be a weapon. That's the beauty of discretion, and that's the difference. And for our, our viewers out there that are not cops, that's the difference between a police officer and a cop. Any police officer can put on a uniform and make an arrest. But a cop is one that actually decides what's the impact that I'm making today. How am I impacting my community? Yeah. And, you know, as, as young guys, I mean, you, you kind of lose sight of it. But, you know, I, I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast, but, you know, I, I, my brother-in-law was a sergeant. He was a sergeant in 7-9 a long time. Um, when I got on, he was a sergeant in the 7-9. And he, you know, he, had just, he just retired like two years ago. But he and his good friend sat me down right when I took the job. And before I even got out of the academy, and they said to me, never hurt the working man. There's plenty of assholes out there. Never hurt the working man. And it stuck with me and it made perfect sense. Like, why are we going after? He's like, you know, you write a guy a summons that's working that day. You took you took money out of that guy's mouth for the day for his family. Like that guy went to work. So like for you, it's your job. It's just your job. Um, and you're like, oh, well, he messed up. I'm just doing my job. It's my job. I'm just doing what I have to do. But you're hurt. you're actually hurting good people. You could hurt good people. I'm not saying that just because the guy goes to work that he deserves to get off or anything for for doing something insane either. I'm not saying that either. But like for for things that we could overlook, we should be overlooking them because you know not everything is not everything is the crime of the century, and you should not hurt the working man. You should not hurt people that are good people. If 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 you don't have to, if they, if they didn't do anything that egregious, where you need to do it. So I think that advice always stuck with me. I always tried to pass that to everybody around me and then even, you know, as a cop, as a boss, whatever it was. And I just think a lot of, a lot of people don't get that message. Yeah. That's why I say it all the time. And I, I've said this on other podcasts and I really believe this. And I live by this just because something is correct. Doesn't mean it's right. He's not wrong, right? Technically the cop is not wrong. Someone's carrying a gravity knife, right? It's illegal. Technically he's not wrong. 
are you are you correct? Are you right to correct to make that arrest? Maybe so. Maybe there's a penal law charge for that. Yes, right. The two sixty five penal law charge for that. You are correct. But are you right? Is that doing the right thing? And that's the difference between a police officer and a cop is being able to decipher through people to decipher and make good solutions. We're supposed to be problem solvers. What problem did you solve? And exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is ego too. And that, and, that, and that's like a hard thing for people to break, right? Like the ego, you pull some guy over, it's going a little fast, maybe he has tents, whatever the case is, you pull him over. He's wearing a military uniform. He's getting sent out and he's got a little attitude with you that day. Doesn't mean you should give the guy a ticket. Just means, hey, buddy, have a nice day, right? Guy's getting deployed. He's probably nervous. He's leaving his wife behind, his kids behind. You should be a human in those situations as well. You pull over an older guy. You pull over an older woman. I mean, we're not giving people that are, that are in their 60s and 70s. We're, we're not giving those people courtesy. Like when I would see people write that, I would always say something. Always. Because I just think it's wrong think it's so wrong i you know and i you know you got to be a human man you got to be human and humanity first you know it's funny you say that it reminds me of the marine corps they used to have this thing and they used to call it the 10 second rule so you know because there were times where let's say you're doing what they call uh like security it's what was called fire watch so fire watch is basically when everybody's sleeping maybe you're at training or like we're overseas in iraq Someone stands fire watch. What does that mean? That means that you are security. So while everyone's sleeping, you're walking your post for an hour in the dark and you're making sure that everyone's good. The last per and then the next hour, you wake someone up and you go to sleep and then they do security. And we they would call it fire watch. And we know the last person is supposed to wake everyone up. So we used to call it the 10 second rule because when you go to wake someone up, sometimes these guys don't wake. You have to grab them and shake them. Right, they're exhausted, and so we used to call the 10 second rule because when you go to shake them, you don't know what's going to happen. They could throw a punch at you; you don't know what's going to happen, right? So you say those first 10 seconds. Anything that happens is it, it's kind of like you get a free pass for it. So it's kind of the same thing when you pull someone over. They might give you an attitude right away. You have an interaction. I used to kind of say that's kind of 10 second rule. Also, you don't know what happened in that day. Most people that have an interaction with the police are not having an interaction because they had a good day. It's the worst day. Just like when people come into a precinct. I used to always tell my cops, when people come into the precinct and they come and scream and yelling, you got to listen, they're not coming to the precinct because they're having a good day. They're having a bad day. So this is the person you got to kind of break down a little bit. You know what? Listen, if it keeps going, that's something different. But you got to give them those first 10 seconds to, to settle them down first or at least give them the opportunity to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, that's just that's the issue with the with with the knives, really. I mean, are we are we talking? And you know, we always just say, "What's his nice it? What what is meaning his nice it is that he has previous arrests, right? Or she has previous arrests, because we're not bringing in somebody on an arrest that re, for that on a on a on a, a a minor crime on a minor offense, who's not a perpetrator, who's not out there, who's not robbing people, who's not selling drugs who's not doing all these things like so that's and that's who is who we targeted we targeted repeat offenders which we should be doing right and and, and by targeting it's not we're following them no we observe them commit a crime we're stopping them we're investigating and we're like all right this guy's got a knife he already robbed a bunch of people with a knife we're preventing a crime that day by arresting that guy with a knife i i 
I think it's a great analogy. And also, when we put all these rules in the New York City Police Department, in addition to the rules, business cards, and body cameras, we take away this ability to have this thought process, to have conversations with people, to make a case-by-case decision, because now everyone's worried about liability. So that really strips away from the relationship the cops have with the community. It, it, It really dampens the relationship, because you can make better decisions, I think, before. I've said it. I'm pretty adamant about it. I don't think marijuana is a big deal. I have no problem with the legalization of marijuana. I think it should be comparable to to alcohol. There's a time and place for it. But the beauty about having some restrictions on it is exactly that. If you and I were working together, it's, it's happened to me so many times. You pull over five guys in a car and they're smoking marijuana. And they happen to be nice guys. Maybe they're all home from college. Right, I pull them over on Webster Avenue. I worked in, you know, compounds in the Bronx, and they, you know they, they were nice guys. Like they're smoking weed, you know. Listen, guys, just bring it home. Do it somewhere else. Have a nice day. As long as the driver is 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 is, is not intoxicated, you know, he's not under the influence, and, and and he's not going to hurt someone. But if I pull over five violent perpetrators who have a history, and there's tension on Webster Avenue that night because they have a beef going on with other gang members on the area. Well, you know what? If they're smoking marijuana, that ability to to write them summonses or bring them in on open warrants could potentially keep the entire neighborhood safe that night. One, the other potential perpetrators see the, the, the arrest. They see the encounter. So that already raises a red flag to them and say, well, maybe not. Tonight's not the night. And it cools it down for everybody. And it's a marijuana arrest. It's a summons. It's a fine for everybody. No one's doing any time. And they spent a couple hours in jail and it cooled everything down and allowed people to be safe that night just on a marijuana arrest. Yeah. No, I mean, it's broken windows. It's broken windows 101. But unfortunately, we're the progressive NYPD, we're the emasculated NYPD. You know, New York City loves criminals. New York State loves criminals. And I mean, they hate the police. I mean, the police budget, they all they do is talk about the police budget. We had, we had a larger share of the city's budget in 1960, 1970, 1980, 1990, 2000. Now we have, a, you know, they talk about how much money it is, but as, as percentage-wise, it's, it's actually smaller now than it was then. Um, the PBA actually decided to get in the game and start attacking uh, politicians, so they put out a nice tweet today. Um, I actually retweeted it for them because I did, I did, you know, I agreed with the message. They said, these are the, the 21 members of city council who uh, are, uh, who are progressives and who want to shrink our budget even further. And, 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 and the case already is, is we've been heavily defunded via the max, the, the vaccine mandate. That was a defund the police movement by Eric Adams. That was his agenda. That's what he did coming in. This is a revenge tour for Eric Adams. And you're seeing it firsthand where, you know, we're over a year in, a year, 18 months in, and it's a disaster so far. And there's not a piece of light in sight. I, I, didn't, I, I have to be honest. I didn't see that tweet today. And that sounds great. I, and I like the ideology behind that. And if that's the case, I give kudos to that. But what I'm curious about that is in the past, out of those, those 21 progressives, did the PBA donate any campaign money or any funds to these 21 people, that's quite that's quite concerning because we know the history of them donating money to progressives. If they donated money to them, then they kind of have to kind of have to eat this one and say, "Well, we donated money to the people that, that, that are hurting us." And this is this is why. Listen, I I don't hate these guys from the PBA. 
That's, that's why we were addressing those issues, because how can you donate money to progressives that are hurting the police department? You may not pay for it today, but we're paying for it later on. And we see it right now. Here we have these 21 progressives that are not doing anything to help the police department. They're hurting everyone. It hurts I mean, the community. Everyone. I mean, just to answer your question, yes. <laughs> yes, they did donate money to them. Yes, absolutely. They did. And everyone that I shared of members of city council that I shared on my social media, they voted to defund the police in 2020. They voted for body cameras. They voted to have your 50A exposed. They voted for all of this, all of this anti, the chokehold bill or diaphragm law. Uh, that's the real name of it, the diaphragm law. They voted for all the right to know act that, oh, business cards, business cards keep, increase public safety. Um, all of these things. And yes, the PBA did donate to them. Absolutely. 100% they did. Um, but, you know, they, there was nobody watching what they were doing. So it was easy to set yourself up for, for future gain and political gain personal because it didn't help your members. Um, and you'll never sell me that it did. And that's why you can't say anything. And that's why you come at me with fake accounts or you send your big brother to make statements. But you never could debunk one thing that we say because you did it. And now the narrative's changing and you're changing. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I, I'd rather instead of them, you know, trying to troll you and I and and, and come out with these these tactics and and, and and arguments, I'd rather I'd rather the union just come out and say, you know what? The ideology behind these campaign funds was to try to befriend our enemy and in some way help the cops, but it didn't work. And we see it now, and we have to take a, a new path or, or change gears. You know what? I would have respect for it then, because at least they're admitting, hey, we tried something. It didn't work. We'll try something else. But that's not what they're doing. No, yeah. They're, they're just pushing it further. And, and you know, and, and another thing that I, I said is, like, when you've seen with, with the raises that they came out for the SBA and the LBA and the DEA, and they were all standing up there, and they were all making love to Eric Adams, the Day after Sewell announces she's leaving, all of a sudden it was miraculous. It was like a miracle. This raise gets announced. Everyone's saying how great Eric Adams is. Every he's done zero for you guys. You, you guys were getting that race. He's done zero for you. Absolutely zero. That had nothing to do with Eric Adams whatsoever. So they come out here, and I'm just letting you know right now, they're all gonna endorse him, they're all gonna give him big money. 100%. That was, and and that's not because they're doing it on their own fruition. They stood up there that day, Lou Turco specifically. So, Lou, if you're listening to this, you even said it before you went on. They chose me. They picked me. I didn't really want to do it. And then you, and then you, then you proceeded to get down on your hands and knees in front of Eric Adams and choke yourself because it, it was very obvious what happened. You were told that morning all these. You had no idea that press conference would happen. You were all told you're going to be there. You're going to get up there, and you're going to thank the mayor. And you did. And, and, we, and what you and I both discussed is we know 100%. If anybody thinks that this wasn't completely orchestrated as a deflection from Commissioner Sewell's step down, well, then you're sorry mistaken. Again, I say this all the time. I believe in this, and I live by this. There are no coincidences in life. When things happen – at certain times, you have to ask yourself why. It's very convenient that she's stepping down and it's, it's making a lot of noise and a lot of confusion. 
And then immediately thereafter, the unions are talking about how contracts are coming out. All of a sudden, there's money in the budget. The contracts are coming out. You have to start, right, John? You got to start asking them, why? Why now? Yeah. I mean, just like all these cops right now, for six years, they were starving. They were hungry. They were so pissed off. Man, they were motherfucking Pat Lynch like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, Pat, I'm telling you right now, they were motherfucking you so bad. You know what the difference is between me and John? We may, we'll motherfuck you behind closed doors, but we'll motherfuck you to your face. These guys, to your face, they tell you what you want to hear. Hey, listen, you, even John and I, when you guys do good things from the union or anybody in the police department, we put tweets out, hey, this was great. But if you do something we, we don't think is good, we don't think is right, we'll call you out on it. But the unions, you're not seeing that. And we know that's not really what they believe. But if they did that or didn't, do we think the contract would be any different? No, they literally negotiate. And that was the other thing. Blue Turkle's talking about the negotiations. Oh, you know, we disagreed on things. They literally were jumping up and down when DC 37 took that. And then and then they, they set the pattern. Then the PBA comes in, sets the uniform pattern, and then they all jump in. Me too, me too, me too, me too. They did zero negotiating, but yet they're <laughs> pretending like what they did. And they're going to ride this for the next whatever their term is or whatever it is. And they're going to use it to give your money to Eric Adams to, fu uh, to fund his reelection campaign. Not because they, they want to, because he told them they're going to. Because they work for him. They do not work for you. And it was very obvious with the mandate. And it's very obvious with the things they fight and the things they don't. They're controlled opposition. They're all cowards. Every single one of them should be voted out. They all hate me. They all hate Eric for one reason. We say what's on our mind and they hate it. They hate it. It's not because they disagree with us. They don't. They don't disagree with us with anything. Only when it comes to what they do. That's the only time. Oh, yeah, these guys are terrible. They don't know what they're talking about. Zero experience. Don't listen to two lieutenants. Don't listen to two lieutenants that, that, that oh, I, I did 18, Eric did 18. Don't listen to us. We, we don't have 30, eight, uh, 36 years of experience. We don't have more experience than all of them in their whole entire boards. No, we don't. <laughs> you just can't do anything we said. That's it. Well, they're right. I have less experience than they do on getting, uh, getting lunches on the arm, getting breakfast on the arm. I have less experience than getting... Nice, fine dinners. I have less experience wearing suits every day, reporting to a nice, cooled office in the, in the summer. I have less experience reporting to, you know, out the cold, and, and sitting nice and warm inside an office. I have less experience than that. I do. And so do you, John. Unfortunately, I was out on the street getting guns. You were doing anti-crime. We were protecting the city and getting civilian complaints and destroying our careers. And you, were, you had to make a decision to, to get a vaccine or not. I would love to actually know if these union guys actually got the vaccine. I have admitted it since the beginning. I took it. I wish I was in this fight. But did they actually get it? I'm very curious. I'd love to know. I want to see their vaccine cards. I think they'll <laughs> do whatever the mayor tells them to do. I think if the mayor told them to pull down their pants and bend over, they would do it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it, you know. Had to. No choice. Pinky ring and all. Pinky ring and all. It, fucking... No choice. I think they would pull their pants down because that's basically what they did. I mean, that's basically what they've been doing for 10 years. I mean, and all these guys have been in power for 10 years, you know. And, and yeah, I know uh, Mullins isn't there, but the guy that's running it right now, I don't know. Was he, but, but how is he still there? How are any of them that were there under the Mullins administration still there? 
Oh, and they have me blocked, by the way. The woke SBA has me blocked on Twitter for zero reason. <laughs> Didn't they unblock you at some point? I know, right? They unblock me and they block me again. I, I didn't even say anything. They unblock me and they block me again. Uh, it's 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 unreal, you know. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that about this vaccine, right? Because so it made me think the other day. So I was I was watching a movie on Netflix. It's called The Good Nurse. Yeah, you heard of it? No. There's actually a documentary on it too. It was on a uh, it was in a real like uh, real like beautiful area, in New Jersey, Somerset, New Jersey, gorgeous area. And there was this nurse. And it was a document documentary. He, he may be the most uh, prolific serial killer in the entire American history. Supposedly, he, he may be responsible for killing 400 people, something like that. And what he did was he injected, he injected the bags that they had, the saline bags, and injected with this chemical called the Jackson. And uh, just killing people left and right. And uh, it made me think, I said, you know something? Would these people inject themselves with the jackson if they were told to because they, they have to keep their jobs? You know, it really made me think, like, I, think, I, I don't know. Uh, you know what? We, at this point, we really don't know. No, nah, the, the PBI, the unions, all of them, all the union heads. I mean, they, they, there was not one that had a problem with it. Think about that. They were told, you're going to do this behind closed doors and all your guys are going to do this or they're going to get fired. You were at that meeting before the mandates were ever there when I yeah. out about it, and he was already made the decision. He didn't know how many how many of us were affected by it in the LBI, and he already made the decision they weren't fighting anything. So to sit there and pretend like they did, there was not a, a larger discussion with all of them, like you're going to do this, and mind you, this is before Ed Mullins gets pushed out. So Ed Mullins gets pushed out. They drop that mandate. And I, I personally think whatever Ed Mullins was doing, they were all doing. That's my personal opinion. So, you know, I would be very leery if I ever decide to run for office, especially New York City mayor or anything like that. I would definitely not donate to my campaign. I would definitely not endorse me. It would definitely be in direct conflict with your personal interest. It would be – it would help your members, though. <laughs> Do you know I, – I, you know what? I would like – I would actually like to get the bylaws from the LBA. Do you know, in retirement, can we run for uh, president and vice president? I don't know. That's a great question. I got time on my hands. I'm, I'm, you know, I like to, I like, I like, I like, I would like to go sit down in some meetings with Eric Adams. I'll be your vice president, Eric. Let's do it. I was going to say, I don't mind. I'll be your vice president. I don't care what position. Anybody I, I want to. LBA, do us a favor. Get us the bylaws. Yeah, Absolutely, a- I, I, I want to read them. I want to. I want to stand in on the uh, on the CCRB meeting, CCRB meetings and help the cops. I'd love to stand there. Absolutely, and and hire some good uh, attorneys to actually help you. I know the three quarter guys are good, but you know, other than that, you know, people need representation. People need representation in CCRB. They need representation in IAB. They need representation for other things in life. You know, not just somebody's nephew or uncle that went to law school and then we're going to throw him on there. And this guy does leases, too. And this guy will get you health insurance, too. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, towards, towards the end of my career, my CCRB interviews, I'm not kidding. Some of them were four and a half hours. I was getting overtime. I was getting overtime when I was called to go to my CCRB GO15s. For people that are not cops, that means I was getting interviewed by the CCRB investigators. And. 
what a bunch of weak cowards these kids are. Here, here we are, right? We're the cops of the New York City Police Department. We're out there. We're still working, still working in full uniform. And I would go to the LBA office. Lou, thank you for letting me come to the office. But I would come to the office and sit there, and I would do my CCRB interview. And the 20-year-old kid, what a weak kid, would have to sit on the computer doing it by Zoom. They couldn't come to the office, or we couldn't go down to sit with them. And I was vaccinated. I wasn't even dirty. <laughs> and the interview would go on for four and a half hours. It was like a crime scene. So by the time I would get there, I would get there you know, at the precinct, 8 in the morning. I would go down to the LBA office. And then I would have the interview usually about 11 o'clock in the morning. It would go on for four and a half, five hours. And then I would get back to the precinct. I would get overtime for my CCRBs. Just want to let you know that, NYPD, I got plenty of overtime for CCRBs. Most ridiculous thing. <laughs> Absolutely insanity. What do you think about the migrant crisis, right? I, 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 I'm just going to give you my thoughts and let me know what you think. I, I <laughs> He, he asked for all the migrants, right? He wanted all of them. We're a sanctuary city. New York City allows illegal aliens to vote, right? So you, you prop up your voter base. We know Bill de Blasio that the only people that donated to Bill de Blasio's campaign, his presidential campaign, were hotel owners because of his homeless solution, which is the solution we're still doing, where we were paying hotel owners for these cheap hotels $350 a night for a room that costs $100 a night or $50 a night. But we were paying $350. We were paying three times the price of it, right? So they love Bill de Blasio because he made them more millionaires through city funds. <laughs> and Eric Adams did the same thing on a grander scale because now he has all these new people to push into these hotels, right? But now we've run out of hotel space. We've run out of hotel space. So we're going to push it out to other areas, commercial and private real estate too, right? And he's paying out. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, I I, I, I always compare I always compare the the uh, the ideology of a sanctuary city to it's kind of like it's kind of like when people offer favors but they don't really mean it. It's like uh, you know. Where people say, hey, listen, if you're in town, you and your family, you know what? You can stay by my place anytime if you know if you need anything. But no one really means that. You know, it's like, hey, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. But no one actually ever gets that call. Like, hey, you know what? We're in town. We're all coming to stay at your house. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't have the room for it. But didn't you offer? I was just trying to be nice. That's what happened here. These progressive cities, they all want to say, hey, you know, we're helping out. We're a sanctuary city. Come by. We'll take care of you. But guess what? They actually came. And now, holy shit, what do we do? And now what? He's trying to send them off to Rockland County? Said, right? I don't know, man. I'm starting to think the I'm starting to think that he wanted all this. I'm starting to think that this was this was a plan to help his buddies get more money. I'm really starting to th- you you prop up your whole voting base and 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 the whole system of spending money to all these hotel owners. Now we could give it to commercial real estate owners and we could give it to, to people who own, who own a uh, private places too. You're, 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 this is your reelection campaign. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're hundred percent right. You know, absolutely. I think that dude. And then, and then you just tell everybody all the stuff that everybody's complaining about. I didn't want this. I didn't want this. What you really do. <laughs> right, right, right. You really do. You're 100% right. 
You know, I, I, do you think? But do you think in their heads they actually thought it would get to this magnitude? I mean, it's almost like a domino effect. Like, it, it, you know, let forty people come and then <laughs> four hundred, and, and then you know, I, I, I just don't think. Do you think they really thought this is sustainable? I mean, then again, I mean, they think the transit plan is sustainable, but do you think that they thought they could? Have, and who and who benefits? His buddies that are in commercial real estate, or him? What does he own? His buddies in commercial real estate, his buddies in, that own all this real estate, his buddies in the hotel business, and he benefits because he's getting campaign donations. He's getting more voters, and he, and he still has everyone with a razzle medazzle. It's not me; it's the federal government. I didn't want this, right? He, no, he didn't want it. He's speaking out against it, and I'm like, you know what? I I, I personally think it's a campaign strategy. I, I honestly do. I'm I'm really at that point now. I was like. I was thinking about it because it makes no sense. It's not sustainable, 100%. I don't think anything he does is sustainable. I don't think even these races that he just gave out are sustainable. <laughs> I, 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 really, I, I really think New York City is on a trajectory of Detroit. It's going to fail. <laughs> well, actually, Detroit is actually doing better than New York City. They're, at least they haven't revitalized some of their real estate. New York City is just completely tanking, a complete just tanking. It's 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 going down. I think I think we're giving Chicago a run. I mean, thank God the Chicago mayor actually makes Mayor Adams look good. But could we get to Chicago? Yeah. I mean, just watch everything that Chicago's doing. I mean, fifty-five people shot in one weekend. <laughs> that's that's a success. And we're not far off. We're not getting fifty-five people shot. We'll get thirty people stabbed, twenty people shot. It's a disaster. And as this progressive legislation goes, and along with trying to balance these migrants. I don't know. And the other problem is are, are, none of these migrants are vetted. I mean, what are the criminal histories of some of these migrants? I'm sure there's good people in there, but there has to be, I'm sure there's, there, I'm sure there's a lot of unwanted, for, you know, that are in that group, in, in, in that group. I'm sure there's more unwanted people than there are people that came here to help. I would put money on that. I mean, when you look, when you look at, you know, and I speak to the reporters that are on the ground, uh, you know, all the independent journalists, they're all military age males, not with families, young males, you know, well-dressed, look, look healthy, look like they work out. You know, I would think that there's more people. I think there were more people that countries were like, get this, they get this guy out of here, open up the jail and get him out of here. Send him out. <laughs> I mean, we know Venezuela did it. Speaking of, I'm glad you brought that up because there was an article that surfaced. I think it was yesterday or the day before. I actually put a tweet out. I think it's twenty something percent less less people are in prison right now in New York State. I think it's twenty six or twenty seven percent are less in prison. I mean, you and I know why, but do you think that for the progressives and their voters that that's a success, or do you think that's actually reflecting their mistakes and their errors? What do you think at this point? How, how, if that is going to be part of the next basis for a campaign? How will that be viewed? Well, they're selling it. I mean, Bill de Blasio said what that was. There's less people in jail and we're safer for it. They're touting it as success. Crime doesn't exist. There's a one in a million chance that something's going to happen to you on New York City subway, even though three people got stabbed today on New York City subway and yesterday and the day before. And people getting put on trains daily on New York City. Fortunately, not everyone dies, so you don't hear the hoopla. You know, fortunately, a lot of people live, right? So it's not, you know, they're not they're not critically injured. So you don't hear about it as much. It doesn't command as much attention. But these things are happening 
daily all over New York City transit. But we're being told transit's safe. Everything's fine. Crime's down. You know, crime's down. Major crime's down. Homicides are down. All smoke and mirrors, all fudged up bullshit numbers. Crime is crime is way up compared to where it was five years ago. And that is just the, the bottom line. I don't care how they want to sell it. Oh, this one's up. This one's down. They just keep shifting their narrative like this, playing with the numbers to, to, as to where it goes. It's, uh, you know, they're going to they're going to completely sell it as it's a good thing, even though it's 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 a complete disaster. Oh, it, it, it's it's a complete disaster. And it, I just think it's a giant epic fail. It, it really is. Who knows, right? What what else we're we going to see? I mean, are they gonna are they gonna stop putting some of these migrants to work? What are they gonna do? No, that's slavery. You can't do that. They can't even put prisoners. They can't even put prisoners in jail to work. You got a uh, Latrice Walker who's saying state senator who's saying that uh, I'm sorry, she's not a senator. She's an assemblywoman. She's saying um, that that that's slavery. She's she has another ban that you can't you can't order prisoners to work in New York because that's slavery. Um, so well, how funny, right? To work, you can't you can't put grown, healthy males on welfare to work. So why can't you put you know you can't put prisoners to work? How are you going to put migrants to work? Which is the reason why I want to yeah the reason why I want to reflect on that is because listen we all like you said you have young pretty much young healthy males we have all these young healthy males in the streets we don't know potential criminal records and now we have twenty seven percent more people on the streets with criminal records who would have been in jail. But they're on the streets because of the bail reform, because of the raise the age, because of the progressive legislation, because the police are not doing the encounters they did before. And they're not saying what crimes these these men were in prison for or women. I mean, but mostly the, the prison population are males. But what crimes were they in prison for? How are we safe for now? Well, we know one of them is, is not shoplifting, right? OK, you could say that's not affecting safety and violence it's more of an economic thing but i do think there is there is a safety component to it because there is a correlation to shoplifting and some of these people with burglaries right and robberies and drugs but what are the other crimes that these people would have been jailed for i mean you know cop which watch was uh all over me today as they are every day um and they were saying what were they saying all the people that were in jail were for minor drug offenses. So they let all the people out that were for minor drug offenses. So they let 26, you know, uh, 28% of the prison population, they let go. Crime goes up 28% just miraculously in that same time period. And, and it was only for low-level drug offenses these people were in jail for. Even though I've never arrested somebody for a low-level drug, uh, a low-level drug crime who had awful records that actually went to jail for that low level drug offense. So I don't know that. So like, I could just debunk that right away. Like that's not, that's not the case. The crimes, some of the, the crimes are, you would be, you'd be mortified at this person's walking the street. A lot of people walk in the street now that don't deserve to be a lot of people. And I mean, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. What's a low level drug offense. Cause I seen, I, I never, right. I'll never forget. Back when I was working at Lower East Side, you know, I ran the crime team. Was, I was a crime sergeant. But with that, because we were in housing, we ran this new operations also. So the crime teams, we did force new operations every month. What does that mean for people that are, are cops now? Maybe you've never heard of a snow street narcotics enforcement unit. And we do. Uh, we had an observation van, a whole team of guys looking for uh, drug sales. 
if we're not our, our cop uh, people out there are not cops, that ultimately was to get these local. It was to get these low level local drug deals off the street because they were part of the, the violence. But I didn't always think about it. It, it. To me, it wasn't always what was done, but who did it. If 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 there's a guy who's responsible for shootings and we can't get him, and he's got one bag of crack, you know what? That's a great. That's a great arrest. That's bringing someone off the street, right? And, and potentially could give out some information, or at least just get them off the street for the night, right? Cool something down because I, you know, like I said work working in housing. There's a lot of gang violence, but what is a low level drug? Because I remember one time we had someone on the on a snow operation. We got the person with over a hundred decks of heroin on them, and it never it never made it past the grand jury. And he cried and said he just you know it's personal use. That's that's pretty impressive for personal use. And they consider a low-level drug offense. I mean, and and that's the whole thing is like you're talking about violent perpetrators, right? Not the guy with the heroin, but the guy that you just arrest with one bag of crack, right? And but he's out, he's out on a shooting. That guy's not going to jail for the crack. <laughs> he's not exactly. spending time. Maybe he has to wait for his court date. Maybe he has to spend uh, whatever a couple of days to wait for his court date, or a couple of weeks, maybe even a month or so. But he's not going to do serious time in jail. And he deserves to. He's out for a shooting and he's still breaking the law. He deserves to be incarcerated while he waits trial. He deserves to be. Exactly. Obviously a menace to society. You know, but and and so like that, that whole narrative is ridiculous. And and just on the shoplifting thing, I don't know if you've seen it today, but there was a dude in in New York City. I don't know what borough it was in, but he had a propane torch and he was in CVS. And you know how CBS now has everything locked up behind those plastic things? He burned the lock out and broke it. He was just burning the locks off the plastic. Well, that was that video that emerged. And he was just breaking and he's filling his bag up and he bounced. And then they just watched them do it as they should because I don't believe security guards should get involved at this point. And um, nothing will happen to that guy. Well, did the maze. I killed everybody. No big deal. Nothing happened to him. Did the maze shoplifting plan, is that effective? I don't think the kiosk was installed yet because that could have definitely deterred him. If he would have saw that kiosk, because maybe they'll place it like right in the beginning. Like if you feel like shoplifting, please come to this kiosk while you're on camera so everyone can see who you are. I don't think I don't think anyone's that stupid. But in case they are, they'll go to that kiosk and and that'll stop him from doing and that'll he'll look up where he could go get help and that'll stop him from taking his propane torch and and stealing all the drugs out of the CVS that day. But and if that's his first court. offense, he's good to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he got caught. I don't even think he got arrested. I don't even honestly at this point, I don't even know why anybody would even try to be incognito. Just walk into a store and like, excuse me, sir, can you open this this section here? I I, I need some of these razors. When he opens it, take the razors and say, okay, thank you, and just walk out because they're not allowed to touch you. They shouldn't interact with you anyway. By the time they call the police. You got a lot. You got a, a lot of time left, and it's not even worth it. The police are gonna come arrest you. Your first offense. It doesn't matter. You're not. The DA is not gonna prosecute you anyway. So what's the point? To say instead of you know what? That's my message to the perpetrators out there right now in New York City. Please don't break their equipment. Just ask them to kindly open it, then take it, then walk out. They're probably closing all these things to patrol now, dude. I don't even think they're getting investigated anymore. I don't. Oh, even- yeah, back- I don't even think they're getting – I don't think the grand larcenies are getting investigated anymore. I think they're dumbing all the grand larceny down to petty larcenies, and they're closing them to patrol. I don't even think anybody's looking at this anymore. 
And, and I kind of don't, don't blame the police department for taking that stance because if I was in charge of the police department and the DAs weren't drawing that up, I would do the same thing. Why am I wasting my time? Why am I wasting my resources? I agree. Do you do you think that these uh, these stores? I know they're probably hiring hire private security, but do you think they have loss prevention people anymore, or even have a room in the back where someone gets sat down and, and handcuffed? I don't even think they have that anymore. Do they? They do. No, they still have loss prevention people, but I don't. I think that they have. You know, they're like the they're like the woke NYPD now. They don't really. Uh, we don't really enforce the law. You know, but we, we're there. You know, we don't really. We don't do that that stuff anymore. That's low level. You know, so I think I think at some point, you know, the stores will get once that once all the mom and pop businesses close up, because you got to think all the all these corporations support all this woke ideology. And you're like, how they're losing millions and millions of dollars. Right. And they're closing stores left and right. Who's really getting affected? Not the corporation, because they'll close down if they're playing the long game. They don't care. Short term, mom and pop stores are getting put out of business. Who's coming back in their place? Corporations. Now they're going to funnel the money back to the politicians that say, hey, we want law and order. We don't want people robbing our stores anymore. And now the corporations are there and there's no more mom and pops. And now guess what? You'll be getting locked up for shoplifting again in 10 years. It's funny you say that, right? Because on top of that, who's also uh, weaponizing this woke movement to hurt small businesses is is President Biden. By enacting all these IRS agents. Who the, You know who these IRS agents are hitting? They're hitting the small businesses. Why? Because these small businesses, they can't fight it. They can't they can't spend their money on attorneys to fight all this. So they're getting screwed by the guy in the street, right? Who's stealing stuff in them. And then they're getting screwed by the IRS. You know what? This all you're hundred percent right. President Biden, who's part of this woke movement here and 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 all these large companies, it's to kill his mom and pop. These small businesses are done. Did you see uh I think the last thing and we'll wrap it up because I think we've been going too long. I think we're like an hour and thirteen in. But uh, did you see, last thing, did you see Chicago, Brandon Johnson? There was another 30 people shot this weekend. And he said he has no short-term solutions for this. He's playing the long game. He's going to play the long game, and he's going to focus on the root causes. That's why I was That's what I was telling you, that they would say it's pretty much like a success. What's the long game? We're going to wait till there's 175 people shot in one weekend? I mean. Do you trust his long game? Like he's like he can't even play the short game. Do you trust his long game? So that that before we go, that that raises the question: What's the long game for transit? What's the long game for these cops working in transit? They're gonna what just is it? do nothing. They just they're just gonna keep running them. They're gonna burn burn them out. They're gonna burn everybody out. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a different department in two years. It's gonna be a completely different. These guys are still gonna be getting up. They're getting awarded Irishman of the Year. All the shit that who's celebrating Juneteenth that we never celebrated ever. Now, oh, everybody loves Juneteenth. Mayor Adams, I never got my invitation. I'm very upset. Um, but I would have came. I'm going to come next year, whether I'm invited or not. Um, Crash a party? Yeah, I mean, they had a big party at Gracie Mansion. I mean, you know, I'd like to go. Do you have to be vaccinated? No, not anymore. No, he pulled it out. Oh, you're good. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. I want to go. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I like what, what, what is the long game? What's the long game? I mean, the long game is, it's just going to be more people overside, overseeing the police department as it's doing this. And they're going to just talk about how great they were. Open up. This is unreal. You're going to have lieutenants turn out roll call and the whole roll call is going to be all sergeants going to be like, 
Sergeant McCarry, Sergeant Tim, you got Sector Adam, and you got Transit Post, you know, at, at one, two, five, and Lex. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Captain's going to come out. The captain's going to do the desk. <laughs> Maybe he's going to go back to his plan, though, that was original transit plan, where it was going to be one cop in one station. Because he was. Oh, gonna... yeah, that's... Maybe we're going to do that now. We're going to go back to that plan when the cop almost got killed 14 hours into it. <laughs> then they had to reverse it. Yeah, there'll be a bunch of uh, notorious notorious Richards running around. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, was, gun. that was his first plan. Remember that? And it lasted yeah. 14 hours. Lasted 14 hours. Dad must have told him to do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Modern chart 5.0, brother. Seven days a week, 12 yeah. hours a day. 13 hours a day. That's it. 13. Jessica Tish is the police commissioner. It's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jessica Tish. I, <laughs> has she ever has she ever been to a 7 <laughs> Eleven? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> is she gonna know how to pump her own gas? So somebody will pump it for her. Somebody she's not a pump. She's not pumping gas ever. <laughs> I doesn't even drive, dude. So you know. Rich uh, yeah, I just wanna, yeah, her uh, her plan with those blackberries, I think it went really well. Oh, yeah, no, that, the phone thing when she wasted a couple hundred million dollars and the phone couldn't be updated and it was already out of date. Yeah, no slip. That'll take care of it. So, what, what's your guess before we go? Uh, when Commissioner Sewell steps down, is it going to be, is Ed Kibben going to be stepping in or is he, is, is he not stepping at all? I mean, I heard the guy speak a bunch of times. I, I, I don't think he's stepping in. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's stepping in. I don't think Madry's stepping in. I think they both got a lot of issues off the job and on the job that'll come up and it'll hurt Adams politically. Um, I don't think it's going to be Banks. How about Mark Stewart? Maybe he has. We can. It's definitely not going to be Mark Stewart. But if it is, we'll, we'll just do a, a whole podcast. We'll just keep replaying his city council uh, testimony. Um, we'll do an hour of his testimony, just back and forth. Um, I personally think it's going to be somebody out of left field, and it's going to be – again, it's not going to matter anyway. But it's not like we all said it's not going to matter. But it's going to be somebody out of left field, and it's going to be somebody that – it could be like a political victory for him. Like, oh, wow, this person's the police commissioner. Things are going to get better. Gaslighting 101. Who knows? Could be Pat Lynch. Hey, Pat. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he was right. He's, he's going to be working for the governor. Could be Pat Lynch. Could be, no, don't be shocked. Don't be uh, shocked. I mean, at this point, anything's What about, I think it's quite interesting before we go here, though. You and I were talking about that detective for a long time that was rumored to be pretty much in charge and bouncing around these, these chiefs. Uh, yeah. I, would love, I would love to know who's the whistleblower on that one. Well, I think he's pissed a lot of people off, that kid. You know? I always I always said, I said, you know, my whole career, I worked for a lot of people. I worked, for, I worked with a lot of people. There's like the, the, the police department's like Game of Thrones. The NYPD is like Game of Thrones, right? Like one day you're nobody... Next day, you're the hand of the king. So this kid's been the hand of the king in a while in Brooklyn North and Brooklyn South. Then, you know, wherever Madry goes, community affairs, patrol, chief of department, you know. So this kid just keeps getting more and more and more power. He's the hand of the king, right? And he's pissing a lot of people off, you know. 
I mean, when that article came out, I mean, I, I think people send me messages about that kid every day to like put out, but I, I don't really give a shit too much. So I don't, I don't really ever talk about it. Cause like, it's like something that's known, right? Like, you know, but like, I, I always think like it's game of Thrones. You can't piss people off because the guy that you're with is going to leave. And now you're, you're just, you're just this little goldfish, especially as a detective, you're just a little goldfish in the ocean and Big Daddy ain't around anymore. So he's going to have to leave when Madre leaves. You know, he's going to have a big problem. He's telling Chiefs what to do. And I know for a fact that he does. I know for a fact he tells Chiefs what to do, and Chiefs will do what he tells them to do. Shame on those cowards. Absolutely. No balls. John, you want to end it? I think this is great. An hour and 20 minutes, dude. Yeah, yeah, let's end it. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Sorry I missed the last one. Um, I just wasn't able to make it, and, uh, you know, we're going to keep rocking. We got a bunch of good episodes lined up. We just wanted to get out and just throw some new segments. There was just a lot of, there was just a lot of stuff to talk about. I didn't want to break them up into 10, 15 episodes. So we just figured we'll, uh, we'll do a mishmash of just the, the news for the week. Hey, uh, support Sal Greco, please. Honestly, the, if you check out, as you say, John couldn't make it. It's unfortunate, but we're here to support Sal Greco. His mission is to, is, is to crusade for everyone in the police department right now. What happened to him is complete hypocrisy. Help South Greco. Uh, what's his uh? What's his funding? Help this New York cop. Help this nycop.com. Help this nycop.com. Um, yeah, definitely help him out. I mean, I you know he has a solid case. I mean, you you heard the kid testify. I mean, I mean he didn't testify, but you you heard him three times on this podcast like speak about what happened to him. I mean, you know, I've I've read the complaint against him. I mean, it's it's awful. It really is. It's it's not right. It's not fair. It's it's it should never happen to anybody in this country. It should never happen to anybody in the police department. You know, you, you know who you support politically should have nothing to do with how you're treated. Punishment should be equal, and it's absolutely not. And the hypocrisy is there, and they ruin this kid's life. And you know, and it's not you know. So for all your chiefs that hate this, you know. What do you think about that? Because I know you guys think it's bullshit. I know you do. I know you think it's wrong. I oh, he's just another one. Nah. What if it was your son? What if it was you? What if it was your life? What if it was your daughter? What if it was somebody like that? You know, and you and and you know. So I don't care. We're out here. Me and Eric are out here. We're gonna keep going. I know everybody hates this podcast. Hate the tweeting. Too bad. This is America still. And as long as it is, I'm gonna keep doing it. And even if it's not. Well, if I get banned, I get arrested for it, then that's just what it'll be, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, I tell you what, listen, for our supporters out there, thank you so much. That's what we're here to do. We're here to support, be the catalyst for change, the Civilian Complaint Review Board, the Discipline Matrix, cops that were discarded and wrong, the vaccine. We, we just want what's right. That's all. We want what's right. Not always what's correct, but what's right. And that's what's important. Moral standards, principles, you know, I... And if you're offended by what we say, don't listen. Very simple. I don't care. I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, and a lot of people are offended by the things we say because they're true. And it, and it shocks them in the heart. And they hate to hear it. And they want to pretend like everything's uppity and fine and everything's good. You know, everybody, you know, I have no problem when I'm in New York hugging and kissing me and hanging out. But we're very silent. Didn't see anything wrong. Oh, you're doing great, bro. You're doing great. It's like, yeah, I'm doing good. I am. 
no thanks to any of you. No thanks to this job. Like not, you know, not doing great because of that. I'm doing great because I stood on my own two feet and I could use my brain, you know, which a lot of you guys can too. You're not a slave to the police department. So, you know, if you're experiencing any issues, mental health, please, please speak to somebody. Please contact your doctor. Do things for yourself. I said it. I put out a post. I don't, I don't want to ramble right at the end, but I put out a post about not putting the job first, putting God, your family, and your health before your career. I didn't do that my whole career. Um, I always put the job first, and I regret it now. I really do. Towards the end of my career, I started to put my family first. I went into a detail where I was able to be around my family. I was like, you know what? This is not going good. This legislation, they do not want police work. They do not want proactive police work. So I'm, I'm going to take a step back. I did do that towards the end of my career, but even then, I still, you know, I was still working all the time, doing a ton of overtime. Take care of your health. Take care of your mental well-being, your family. Um, that's more important. You got to make, you know, you got to you got to be able to live a long, productive life to collect that pension. That's more important than getting a big pension. I agree, brother. Outstanding. All right. 265 Police Live, baby. Be back at you.